Hey everyone, welcome to King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony. With me as always, we have John. It is trade deadline week. The deadline's tomorrow at noon Pacific time. King's already getting a little busy though, making a trade. King's traded with the Nets. Big name, K.E. from Brooklyn, Kessler Edwards. <laughs> it's not K.E. We've already it's given him a up. Yeah, We've already given him a ne- uh, nickname. Been mostly in the G League this year. Uh, second round pick out of, in 2021 out of Pepperdine. John, uh, big move here. What are your What are your thoughts on it? Well, just to quote Adrian Wojnarowski, I practice that last name in the mirror three <laughs> times every night. Can you spell um, it? I can't spell anything. Let alone Wojnarowski. See, I couldn't even say it there. You were close. Yeah, people. I don't know how it is. Anyway, people generally get what you're talking about. They're like, all right, just keep going. Watch it now, whatever. Just call him Waj. Yeah. Woj. Call him Adrian. Adrian. What's on the docket today, Adrian? Um, So he said, you know, the Nets are finalizing this trade to send forward Kessler Edwards and cash to the Kings. That's how it was announced. So this is you should be it should be clear that Kessler Edwards is not a saving grace. Um, he's being sent to the Kings so that the Nets can save eight million in salary and luxury tax and open up a roster spot. He also says that the Kings intend to have him play in Stockton with the G League affiliate, or at least give him a chance. I think was the exact quote. And he might not even be on the team because you know the deadline's still as of recording this uh, a few days away. He could be moved in an additional trade of some sort. But it's just funny because it's we're coming up on like the year anniversary of the Kings making this huge splash, this really monumental seismic shift for the organization, getting DeMontis Savonis and eventually Trey Lyles. And uh, this is how far the franchise has come, where they don't need to make a big old splash like that. They just, they're just they uh, just helping the, the Brooklyn Nets out with some luxury tax and some yeah. money. But... Yeah, I wouldn't – Kessler Edwards sounds kind of like another P.J. Dozier or another Deontay Burton, a kind of a G League guy. Maybe he can prove it in the NBA. Wouldn't bet on it. His shot pretty well from three in the G League. I don't know a ton about him, but long guy out of Pepperdine like Doug Christie. So maybe there's a nice connection there. But, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if connections with the assistant coaches get you far, though. I, I really thought P.J. Dozier had a chance. But <laughs> – I know. I I was surprised to see PJ Dozier just kind of come and go. Like, yeah, right. well, if, if they gave him another ten day, I think you can only give him ten, two ten days before you have to give him a contract. Um, so it was kind of like we like you, PJ, but not that much. Yeah. All so right. Lines. Give it to Burton. <laughs> Deontay Burton. Hurting Burton. I'm hurting for a Burton. <laughs> oh Lord. Oh Lordy. Well, it brings up an interesting point. Because things are now in motion. The Kings have made a trade. The The gears have been greased up, if you will. The Kings are still looking, obviously, at their two needs, the wing and the backup center. Kind of sticking to the wing for now. We'll get to the backup center. Because I don't think Kessler Edwards is that guy. I don't think he's intended to be that guy. But the option of other guys is there. Although it's not the most abounding set of options in terms of you know, actual names and what's realistic. But the one that has kind of been in the discourse for the last week now, you know, Matisse Thibel uh, obviously comes up. Again, it gets interesting as to how realistic it is to get him. But among NBA experienced wings and defensive kind of guys out on the perimeter, Matisse Thibel is kind of all we can work with. And obviously, before I kind of kick it to you, obviously... He would be perfect for the exact need that is kind of at the top of the list right now, which you heard Mike Brown say it after the game against the Pelicans. Obviously, they didn't have De'Aaron Fox, who he calls the head of the snake, rightfully so, on both ends of the floor. Um, But he talked a lot about not containing the dribble and letting guys get deep in the paint. That's been an issue for the last couple of weeks. It's been an issue at different points all season, but it just kind of really seems to be bogging down the defense right now. And it's not just allowing like paint points. It's, it's allowing teams to kind of go off from three and get good looks that you would see the Kings get on the other end. 
So kind of shoring up that perimeter defense, not getting guys, again, driving into the into the paint, getting deep, forcing help from Sabonis, wherever the big man is, and exposing all sorts of things or forcing rotations. You hear Katie Christensen say it a lot on the broadcast. You don't want to get stuck in where you have to constantly have to rotate because the Kings are good at rotating, but at, at, from time to time, but it's just like, that's not a sustainable thing. You're running around and you get a lot of broken plays that way. And again, it's just, it doesn't work out in the long run. So addressing that specific need, which really hit a low point uh, in that Pelicans game where Mike Brown came out and said, you know, I don't know if we're all in, like we talked about at the beginning of the season. Obviously that was more of him challenging the team than him really questioning their um, uh, ambitions and uh, whether or not they're bought into what they're trying to do there. But, you know, Thibault obviously kind of long-winded way of saying Thibault would be perfect. He just, he fills that hole if you can get him perfectly. And he has experience in the league doing it. How realistic do you think it is to get Thibault? I mean, at this point. Man, I, I wish it was more realistic than I honestly think it is. I mean, just kind of looking at what the Kings have and, you know, I mean, kind of going to just anyone in general where the Kings need a backup center or a backup wing. Like all of those, all of those people that the Kings have been mentioned with um, or are interested in, like Noel, Plumlee, even Thiable, it's like they're all getting interest from other places as well. And I mean, what do the Kings have to give up? TD and a second round pick. And maybe someone wants Rashawn Holmes and see, sees them as valuable. Um, I just I just don't see it as realistic. Um, just because I bet another team could offer something better. You would love to maybe just try to swap TD and Thibel. I think that would work out financially wise. And they're both on expiring contracts. I know Philly's looking to cut some cap space. So um, maybe you can bring... I, I did this mock trade earlier today. It was Thibel and then Daniel House, Harrell, and um, Paul Reed for Holmes and Terrence Davis in a second rounder. They're not really cutting salary in that sense because Holmes is, um, you know, he's under contract for a couple more years, making 11 mil a year. So I don't know. It's just, it's just hard to find a trade where the Sixers get somewhat better because they're you know they're a playoff team trying to go to the finals and stuff so maybe like taking heralds and houses contracts can kind of persuade the sixers to give thibel up for them but then again you'd have to give up homes as well to meet salary or i don't know maybe you can fit in alex lynn there um because he's an expiring contract as well it's just it's just not a lot to give like what i'm saying right now it's either you're not really giving them anything and they're losing a second uh, or a two-time second all-defensive team player, or you're giving them, you know, a guy in the Rashawn Holmes who hasn't really proven anything as a backup center this year. And although the Sixers need a backup center, like at $11 million a year for two more years or one more year after this, and who hasn't done anything as a backup this year, it's just, I don't know. Why would they do that at the same time? Unless, I mean, Harrell has really been not the best option for them, and neither has Reed. And they're looking to go for a deep run in the playoffs. So maybe they see Holmes as a guy that maybe can fit into their system better. But other than those kind of trades right there, I think it's one that would have to have Davis or at least Lynn in it. Um, It just doesn't seem realistic. I just think someone else can offer something better. Yeah, I agree with that premise. Um, that kind of has seemed like it's been the thing that's lingered around any trade speculation or rumors. And also, it's just like, you know you're getting into issues. and You know you're drifting into pure conjecture and fantasy when you start going like, you start throwing around all these, like you just all these names. And it's just like, at the end of the day, it's like, what the hell would Philly want with Holmes? It just sounds like the desire to have Thibault is the thing that's shining through here more than any legitimate option to get Thibault. Yeah, but- and and to I, I was talking to a um, I mean I'm not talking to like the Sixers GM I'm not ter- talking to Daryl Morey over here, but I don't know too much about the Sixers, so I reached out to an, uh, a Philadelphia Sixers 
uh, 76ers fan account, you know, kind of like what we do, like a blog type of thing. And I was like kind of asking him like, all right, like what would the Philly be interested in from the Kings? And like, would you be interested in giving up Bible for like these players or something along these trades? And I was throwing trade ideas at him. And like I said, he's not the GM, but he kind of has a better sense of what the Sixers need and what the Sixers want. And so he was just like, yeah, like, honestly, probably not. <laughs> you know, like, I, like this just, it wouldn't help us out. Why would we do this? I get Thibault is a guy who's kind of falling out of Doc's rotation. At the same time, he's a, he's a two-time second defensive player of the year. He's not getting that many minutes this year, but I mean... Why would you just trade Thibault for Davis? I mean, Davis is a better shooter, so I can maybe see that. But Thibault's definitely elite at something in the NBA. Or whatever the Kings give up, it's not really an elite skill. Right. I think it'd be interesting you should ask that that guy, uh, the Philly guy, um, how he feels about getting James Wiseman. Because I know the Warriors are interested in Thibault as well. That would be interesting. See, it's it's like it's a shame. Like, sometimes I kind of wish that the Kings were stuck with someone like Wiseman rather than Holmes, because mm-hmm. kind of moving on to Rashawn Holmes and moving him because, you know, we talk about two needs for the Kings the deadline. Oh, it's the you know the back of five and wing depth. Number three is moving Holmes. Maybe you know, like it would be fair to say, and kind of as we described there, it gets tricky. And there's the conundrum of well, if the Kings are looking at improving the backup five and a load of other teams are looking at the backup five. For instance, I think it was Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports that was saying Philadelphia, as we were talking about, the the Clippers, Portland, Denver, Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto, Sacramento, all these teams are looking for backup fives. I think he said that the backup center market may end up being a segment of the deadline that features the most action. It's a hot commodity, the backup five. And you would almost think that like, well, someone will take Holmes. But the the issue with Rashawn Holmes is that he's not proven to be exactly successful as a backup five. Now, I'm not going to take away from the idea that some team might be like, well, we run a different we do things a little differently. Maybe they really believe he can fit in as a reserve center or something like that. But when you're just trying to keep things as simple as possible, when teams are looking at backup fives, Rashawn Holmes is not at the top of their list. There was the buyout talks a couple of, I think it was two weeks ago. And it's just like, teams just want to, if they're good, if they want Holmes, they want to just take Holmes. They don't see exchange value. I, I, I don't know what your sense is with this Rashawn Holmes thing, but do you think Rashawn Holmes will be on this team uh, after Thursday? Yeah, just because I don't think anyone wants him, especially with that contract. It's just for a backup center, maybe a starting center somewhere, somewhere for 11 mil, though, a year. Right. <laughs> just like what? Why would anyone want that? You just kind of hope you're kind of hoping you just do a salary dump at this point. Like mm-hmm. I'd, I'd give him away for two second rounders at this point. He just he's just gonna eat up salary cap next year, and he's just gonna ride the bench like he has this year. So I mean, if you can get rid of him in any way possible, I think that's a win, right? Well, not any way, but definitely if you're dumping his salary somehow or getting an expiring contract, then I think that's mm-hmm. a win. But I, I just I, I wouldn't understand why anyone would want him unless they're super <laughs> desperate and they're like. Okay, we'll take this contract on for two more years. That's on like maybe the Sixers because that Sixers fan account, he was kind of like, well, like Holmes would be kind of interesting. Like Harold's been terrible for us. Reed really hasn't been that good for us. And he's like, yeah, PJ Tucker will probably, might be our backup center going into the playoffs. Or I was reading that. I think Pompey was writing that, Keith Pompey. So it's like maybe they're desperate enough to get Holmes for a backup. Just as a body even, you know, because yeah. like playoff matchups maybe because you – want pj tucker out there to be your backup five but maybe there's that particular matchup where which i couldn't name off the top of my head but you know you face some centers there or maybe you want to just get some extra size out there behind um behind mb uh, yeah yeah my group that one guy <laughs> so it's like maybe a team when like it I, i'd see Holmes going to to like a championship contending team as a backup more so than going somewhere to start like i'm i know charlotte kind of had interest in and interest in him last season and just that should i mean charlotte probably doesn't care about him anymore 
I don't know who else would really care about him as a starter, especially the decline he had this year in the backup role. Regardless of, you know, he was a good starter, but not such a good backup. It's like, regardless, he's playing terribly. He's playing <laughs> to an extent where he's unplayable. Um, yeah, and his head coach is Mike Brown, who's super respected around the league. And people are looking at that going like, ah, oh, the dude keeps falling out of favor of Mike Brown, at least rotationally speaking. Red flag. Yeah, 100%. So, like I said, I, I don't think Holmes is going to get moved this season or this at the deadline. <laughs> like, that would be that would be a huge trade if McNair could dump his salary. But, man, we might be stuck with him. Um, I, I forget his contract. Remind me, is he, a, is he a free agent? He has one more year and then like a – Yeah, or maybe, it's a or player option. Be, so, he's, player. Got, he's under contract next season and there's a player option. And he's probably going to take that contract. Yeah. <laughs> so so two more years. Yeah, exactly. So he's probably under contract for at least two more years after this season. So, I mean, teams definitely have that in mind. And that's 11 and $12 million of cap space for a backup center. Yeah. <laughs> when Jim Ezimetu's our backup center making, what, 1.5 a year or so. It's just it's just not worth it. Such a, it <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a bad contract at the time. It's like you get some bonus, and now he's just irrelevant, completely irrelevant, and just eating up cap space. Yeah. Oh, man. It um, kind of makes you wonder if they were trying to move him this time last year at all, or if there were ish- the issues off the court kind of prevented that or inhibited mm. it in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To the point of whether or not they'll be able to move Holmes, I completely agree with you. Just explain the contract alone explains so much. You'd be paying him twelve million next season, and then you're going to be on the hook. But it just seems like they can't move Holmes. And then I feel like the Kings will just kind of be like, "Well, our next opportunity to maybe get something from him will be in the off season. Maybe a team will be like, we need, you know, maybe an opening for a backup, uh, a starting center. I mean, I don't. Again, that gets into what ifs and how desperate somebody is. Because Charlotte was really interested in Holmes the summer before this last summer, and then they had like I think there was like marginal ish uh, interest in Holmes. Maybe it was just carryover from the year before, but like if that, that I can only anticipate that that's declined further and they yeah. drafted Mark Williams. And it's like, you know, even if you're talking about getting Noel somehow and you want to do some swap there, it's like they drafted Jalen Duran, who's really good. And it's just like, I don't know. You're kind of, kind of running out of landing spots for Holmes. If there was ever a landing spot for him. Because I feel like if there was, that would have been the thing already. He's just kind of, they're kind of chained to him. I know. His time has unfortunately come up in sack, and he's just not thriving whatsoever under that backup role. It's time to move on, especially with his size contract. What (laughs) might be impossible to move on from him with it, so... Maybe two more years of homes. Two more years. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, if we want to try to take an optimistic spin on it, send every <laughs> NBA front office the tape of that Laker game at the beginning. Yeah, of honestly, or mid-January, I think it was like he's still good, and I do think that that can take him a long way. I think teams do regard him as like that guy could. He's a still a starting level center, but. The business side of things is, yeah, but he's really worked his value down, and I'm I need to seize that low value. I need to take you know full advantage of the fact that I can get him as cheap for basically nothing, which everybody wants. And the Kings are stuck in the situation where it's like, yeah, we know he still has this value, but it's not for us. And I don't know, huge conundrum, huge conundrum. We'll see what happens. Would you would you trade like Holmes and Terrence Davis just for like? a second rounder, just like essentially a salary dump. Right. But it's like, we'll take Holmes, but we'll, we also want Terrence Davis or something like that. And you're yeah, basically getting nothing in return. That, okay. If it's just that, no. I mean, if you're getting something else, like if you're getting an additional trade there where you are kind of bolstering, you're basically getting maybe, maybe you're sacrificing TDs, like scoring punch for just some extra length. Like maybe, but you'd have to really see your prospects as you know, kind of dim in terms of moving homes in the future. I just think they're going to pivot to the off season and be like, that's going to be the best opportunity maybe. And then try to just gauge that and then go cheap or give them up. I don't know. 
I don't I'm know. Sure. I'd have to put more thought into it. I'm not saying I like TD a lot, but it's also he's on an expiring deal. And if, if nothing else is there, I, I think you I think you kind of have to trade TD this year if he, like for something. Like, and if you can dump off, if you can somehow dump Holmes's contract off with like TD to entice them a little, I don't know. Yeah. I would, and if there's oh, nothing great- else there, I'm like, uh, because I mean, I don't know. I just don't see Holmes. I mean, I can't see Holmes getting moved in the next two years, but I mean, shoot, I'd really like his contract off the books before the start of the offseason or, you know, before the start of free agency. Because that's when the Kings can start making moves, obviously. And, He's going to be eating up cap space. So it'd be interesting, but it's something I, I have to think I, about a little more. But if there's nothing yeah, I, else there, might as well. I agree with you to a, to a large degree, but it's just like, I, I just don't see this organization being like, okay, well, let's make that move, even though we get a little worse. I don't think that that's crazy to say. I don't know. I don't know if they want to, they want to swallow that pill and, and, Take like even if even if they are, and I totally agree that if they do that, you're setting yourself up for an off season where you can really load on and come guns blazing that the following season, you know, still break the playoff drought, all that stuff. But the organization really doesn't want to make it obvious that that's the idea. They're like, it doesn't really work for the whole let's win, you know, Vivek thing and and what they're kind of doing, you know. I just, I guess, what I'm saying is just. Well, that would probably pay off. I kind of don't see them doing that. Is that crazy? No, I totally hear you. I, I mean, yeah, I, I could definitely see them being like, no, like TV's he's an important part for us. He's going to come up big in the playoffs as that third shooting guard. I mean, he's an important player. He's a good player. So I could see him not doing it, too. But I could also see him like, yeah, well, we're not poised to make a deep run. Um, I'd like to get Holmes off the book. So but you're right. It does kind of. You know, it kind of goes against the optics like, of it. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. TD, if TD just was not, if TD was really bad, like just like when he goes in for his limited time and he was just terrible, that would make it a lot easier. I don't think they're jumping out of their shoes to, to move him. The expiring deal obviously comes into play because the Kings are not looking to keep him. But I guess... It's just, it gets so interesting because if you're going to move TD, you better be replacing him with some length is the way I see it. Because he's played really well in his time, and I think that's an interesting point about what happens in the playoffs. I don't know. It's hard to really gauge because this team just kind of, like Mike Brown gets asked by Jason Anderson after the first Houston game, like, hey, trade deadlines this week, like, what are you, uh, you looking at anything? You got your eyes on anything? It's just like, I like the team the way it is. Like, oh, of course you do. <laughs> like, of course you're going to say that. So I don't, I, again, I don't know. But Terrence Davis becomes an interesting discussion because even in a world where you are moving money and moving the Holmes' uh, contract and you're just kind of sacrificing the last half of a year, the last half of the last year of Terrence Davis's deal, like that makes a lot of sense, but it's just like Terrence, the optics aspect of it and the fact that Terrence Davis has actually played well just makes that so difficult, I guess. I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, like it, yeah, TD's interesting. I think he's a guy you try to move regardless. Um, not regardless. Like he, he's an important player, but like if you can try to get something for him as a guy in an expiring deal, um, you try that. Obviously, he's still important in himself. Especially if the Kings are set to make the postseason, he can be helpful in the postseason. So you don't trade him for nothing, but you definitely like gauge him. But uh, kind of staying on the backup center role, a guy that I am kind of interested about or interested in, and I don't know if the Kings have been tied to him at all really, but is Jared Vanderbilt. I, I see that. I think that they, the, um, the Jazz are interested in moving this guy. I guess they're looking for like two second rounders for him. He's just kind of like an enforcer. Um, you know, he's kind of undersized for a center at six, nine, but I don't know, like two second rounders. I do that in a heartbeat considering Mason Plumley. I think Charlotte's looking for a first rounder for him. Noel. I don't know what they're looking for with Noel, but um, they're just looking for like second round draft compensation. And then 
just not taking on any money or anything like that. Okay. So, I mean, I Noel that was, that was, that was the report from when he first was kind of like, oh, he's available a couple months ago. If I, if memory serves. Yeah. I haven't really heard much about him really since, except that teams are still interested in him. Oh yeah. And a lot of teams are interested in him. I think Miami, Dallas, Sacramento, Philadelphia, Boston are all like on the phone talking about Noel and I'm not talking about Christmas. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> um, but kind of going back to Vanderbilt, um, he's under contract next year. A younger guy fits the timeline. J- Jazz seem like they're ready to get rid of him. That's what the reports are saying. So I don't know. I don't know if you've really looked much into him. I know we didn't really discuss this beforehand, but like, shoot, like a, I would trade him. <laughs> like, I would trade for him for two second rounders. Yeah, why not? I mean, not the biggest guy in the world at 6'8", 214, but I don't know a ton about Jared Vanderbilt. It's just kind of I don't either. I know. It looks like I, a I good rebounder. Yeah, um, good rebounder. On like one attempt a game, he's shooting 33% from deep. I mean, I don't, I don't, not, not showing off my, uh, <laughs> my uh, player analysis skills. Here. Yeah, I, I know we didn't discuss this beforehand, but. I mean, he's a good rebounder. (laughs) Averages about eight rebounds a game. Um, You know, the guy you can put down low. He's better than Metu. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. Better than Metu. A guy who's under contract. A guy I would be, you know, happy to bring in next year. You know, a a good defensive guy. I think he can fit into Brown's defensive scheme well. As a guy who I haven't really heard the Kings be connected with him and, like, saying they're interested in him, but... I can't imagine that for two second rounders, they wouldn't be. But there seems to be plenty of options at that center, that backup center. But again, like a lot of people are interested in them and all the backup center. So like Mm -hmm. who, like will the Kings realistically be able to come out with one of them? I I don't know. Watching the every highlight, not every highlight, the every, you know, like those all possessions videos from games for a particular player. I'm watching because he played in that January 3rd game against the Kings in Utah. Why not? <laughs> Just, yeah. Based off a glance. Pretty good defense there on Fox. No, he fouled him. Never mind. Sorry. Decent defense. De- decent defense. Athletic. Can run the floor well. Um, yeah. He, and even if he doesn't like plug in right away, it's just like at least gives you another option that is mm-hmm. legitimate, something you can work with. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, if, especially if Utah is just trying to, I don't know, get rid of him. You said they're looking for a couple of second um, rounders. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, man, especially if we're talking about competition on the market for a backup five being pretty high. I don't know. You got to kind of like be realistic here. That, that, and, I think if the Kings found a way to just get Vanderbilt for uh, the two picks, that 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 might be. It sounds so simple, so it almost sounds re- unrealistic, but that would be great. Like that's a great pickup, especially if you end up moving Holmes too. Yeah. So it's like if you pair, because I on that question about like, well, would you trade you know like TD and Holmes to Philadelphia? Um, and I said, like, if you're getting another wing, well, if you're getting Vanderbilt, like, I would kind of, that might work. What's Vanderbilt's contract situation? Is he under contract next season? He'd be under contract next year for around 4.5 mil. That's pretty good. I think he's, I, I think he's around like 24, 25. So he fits the timeline. Someone who he's can plug in with. He, well, 20, yeah, look at that, 23. Well, shoot, look at that. Yeah, so a guy who can fit the timeline, that would be interesting. The guy you can probably plug in behind. I mean, it says power forward. He plays power forward mostly, but I think you can throw him in at that center. He was, I mean, if yeah, Matthew, had if Matthew's a center, <laughs> then anyone's a center. This guy's a center, yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I hadn't even good, 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 uh, good nugget there. Where'd you see that report about him? Well, I've seen a lot of um, a lot of Kings like accounts on twitter or whatever just see a lot of like fans being like yeah like we should go after vanderbilt it'd be good as a backup center and i saw a report come out saying that utah is trying to get rid of them and they're looking for i don't know if it said they're looking for two second rounders or a team 
has offered two second rounders. And like, it seemed like that was kind of like the price to prime away. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be interesting. So, I mean, it, it's not it, like it, you can get him on the cheaper side. I mean, it's interesting because now we're talking about Utah Jazz. Because um, wouldn't Kelly Olenek also be another backup center candidate? That's very true. I mean, what are the Jazz's plans? Are they just? I mean, I don't understand why they're not in like full rebuild. Unless they are. They're kind of. Um, I don't know. They're just doing like a hybrid thing. Yeah, it's working kinda, out. That's what happens when you get Mark Kanan. It's like that's, that's kind of true. A, that's kind of really softens the brunt of a rebuild, you know. <laughs> But yeah, I guess the Celtics are interested in Kelly Olynyk. Olynyk would be huge because he's also a, a guy who can stretch the floor. Um, I don't yeah. think Olynyk. I mean, he's he's a solid player, been around for a minute. Now they're be the two uh, Gonzaga boys, right, uh, at the center position. There you go. So that'd, that'd be kind of funny. But uh, no, I mean, I would love Olynyk. Probably you know a little more pricier, a little pricier than. Vanderbilt, kind of like yeah. a biz- He's making, he's, a, he's on a three-year, $37 million contract. So that's about 12 mil a year. Um, like to get him though, you'd have to give up homes essentially. Um, and know. it just seems a little, yeah. I mean, why would Utah want homes for a Linux? So, yeah, because yeah, I'm reading here, it's, there's a lot of speculation about whether or not the Celtics will trade Peyton Pritchard to try to bolster other areas and it's like the kings don't really have that guy i mean like no exactly Aiden richard is like yeah that's a guy like that guy could be pretty good in this league and he's kind of like a a luxury resource kind of in the way that terrence davis is um for the kings but even mm-hmm. more so like i feel like he has more pull 100 percent. he does the finals last season mm-hmm. um, still very he's shown glimpses of being good yeah. so plays hard but yeah, Jared Vanderbilt. It's funny um, with I feel like if the Kings traded for Vanderbilt, you'd probably see two or three more games of Metu being the backup five. <laughs> <laughs> then they'd go to Vanderbilt and be like, "Oh, I didn't even know this guy was going to be. He's really been a shot in the arm for us." Like, man, why'd you wait this long? It's like when Trey Lyles played didn't play like three of the first five games or something. I know that was weird. What been doing, man? Easy, um, dude. You know, with trade deadline talks, it always borders on speculation and drifts from rooted reality. So I think it's fair for me to bring up this conversation. In terms of filling the wing, could the Kings do it from within? I mean, I think in a long-term plan, they're absolutely planning for something along these lines. But, you know, on Sunday night in garbage time, Keon Ellis, I think, played 10 minutes, 15 minutes maybe. And he played really well. Um, and it's one game, one you know set of mop-up time. Uh, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. But at the same time, every time Keon Ellis gets an opportunity to do something, whether it's you know Summer League or what he's doing down in the G League this season or that garbage time uh, stint at the end of the weekend, he just always impresses, and I don't think there was any doubts that when the Kings got this guy as an undrafted free agent, there wasn't anybody out there that was like, well, this guy's not going to make it. Like Most people saw that, like, oh, this guy's legitimate. Like He could be a rotational guy not too long from now, and a couple of seasons was kind of the thing, like maybe a couple of years of development, maybe next season. Well, I don't know. Is it too crazy to kind of just be like, if the Kings can't fill the need at the wing externally will they go to Keanos as an option and can he capitalize on that and, and kind of like be that guy do you have any thoughts <laughs> I mean that's a tough question yeah he's looked solid in the last couple of appearances <clears throat> again that's in limited time um but I, I mean I don't know this year I don't know unless he's unless he really stays consistent and he's got, he gets minutes in the next couple games and like shows that he can do this on a consistent basis. I mean, I think he's definitely shown that he deserves a little time, at least each game. It's just, uh, you know, it's hard. He, he plays more of that shooting guard position, point guard, shooting guard. Right. So you're already kind of loaded at that, at those positions. But I mean, I mean, when we got him, you know, he was a guy 
uh, it was projected to go maybe even late first round, right? So it's, it's the sense that we got him as an undrafted rookie. You kind of had a feeling that he could make it in this league sooner than later. Not like not so much as like a second rounder, like a Kada. It's like, all right, he has to develop. Like, yeah, Ellis has to develop. But I don't think at the same. I think he's like a little more NBA ready than like a typical second rounder. Man, I don't know. I don't know this year. I don't know this year. But he, I mean, he's making a good case for himself to, you know, maybe get that back of wing minutes going forward. Maybe not like all of them, but at least an option. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I say it is because like in a similar light is why you want to go after Thibault. I mean, chief among the reasons is that he fills a very specific need of shoring up perimeter defense, which has had its holes at times. Um, and it, it ebbs and flows throughout games from game to game through different stretches of games. Um, if he could provide consistency there, that, like you said, that's the big thing. Can he? I don't know. He's a rookie. <laughs> he, did, he didn't get yeah, drafted. Yeah, exactly. He probably would have gotten drafted. You know, like that whole draft situation is interesting. Guy played at Alabama. He's, like you said, he is still more of a, a guard. He's got a really slim frame, long though, and athletic. And they are playing a lot of three-guard lineups with like Terrence Davis coming off the bench uh, over the last couple of games. It's like one of those things where it's like, if all else fails, it's pretty good kind of thing to uh, to give a shot. But it, again, that all else fails is kind of the, the key component there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's forced the conversation. I think that's the big thing. Is he's forced the need to bring it up at least, which is kind of big. And also no, not is. that surprising. It's not. I, I mean, he looked really good in summer league. He was a guy coming out of college that looked like he could do. He could be an NBA player, like not just a G leaguer. So um, it's not surprising, but it is nice to see that. You know, he's like, okay, he is forcing this conversation on us. Um, deservingly, yeah. he's he's been played well the last couple of games. So I, I think one he, thing to kind of mm-hmm. dampen dampen the the optimism here. We keep going back and forth between being like optimistic and realistic. <laughs> um, yeah. But to kind of get realistic here, one thing that would really concern me about Keon Ellis is, well, what happens if he's not hitting the three? Because that's one of the big things about it. Like he'll bring his defense, but how quick would he turn into some kind of liability just due to lack of experience more than anything and lack of full development of his, the rest of his offensive game? That gets tricky. But mm-hmm. of course the conversation. At least. Yeah. And I mean, like, he's getting the min. Like, they put KZ in the G League and they brought him up. And I don't know. He's shown that he can hit some threes, uh, maybe better than KZ. So they kind of seem interchangeable at this point. But Keon Ellis is maximizing his opportunity. Right. Just to kind of wrap up trade deadline talks, uh, because it happened over the weekend, the Mavericks acquired Kyrie Irving. The Mavericks got better, no doubt. I mean, I don't know how much you're holding on to the idea that the Kings are going to be the third seed uh, at, at the beginning of April. But, you know, competition for the Kings there just got a little tougher. And I think as we see this, we kind of anticipate it anyways. I mean, like you, you're seeing like you would expect, although the injury to Curry is kind of interesting, You would everybody expects the Warriors to kind of get it going later in the year. You know, the Suns were without Devin Booker for a long time. We just watched the Kings play the Pelicans, you know, a team that's kind of missed different guys for different periods of time. I guess things were going to get tougher no matter what. This just makes it a little more tougher, I guess, is probably the way to look at it, if anything. And it's just the reality of the constant need to be to constantly try to get better, that reality. It's kind of interesting. You're jumping from last season not being a contender or anything like that. And now all of a sudden you're a contender and it's like these big trades for other teams. Now they kind of, especially when it happens in your conference, like now it kind of involves you. Like the point I'm trying to make is like, you know, this trade happens last season, but who cares? Like the Kings are just trying to get on their feet here. Well, now it somehow implicates you and a lot of other teams. Well, kind of going back what you were saying, like the Kings are the third seed. Like they're, you told me the Kings are 30 and 23. At this point in the year, and you asked me what uh, like seed they were in, I'd probably say around like the sixth, right? 
So it is interesting that there's seven games above 500 in the third seed in the West. Usually that's, I don't know, I don't feel like the third seed's usually around that mark at this time. So yeah, the, the Mavs are 29 to 26, only two games behind the Kings in that third seed. And even the Timberwolves at the eighth seed are only 2.5 games behind the Kings for the third seed. So it's very close. Even with the 10th seed, which is the last playing seed, they're only four games behind the seats. So it, it's a very close. <laughs> I mean, they, they still seem like they are on pace to make the playoffs. But, I mean, if they go on, like, a losing streak, they can, there's, like, the possibility that they can drop into a playing spot. It's just it's very tight in the West right now. So the Mavericks, only two games behind the Kings right now in the standings. And they just got Kyrie Irving, a guy who will make the team better. I mean, the Kings really got to buckle down. Start winning some games, really. I mean, it's like they aren't, but it's going to get tough to end the season. But just in general, it's going to be tough to end the season, trying to end that playoff drought. This team's going to try to start climbing up the ladder. I mean, the Warriors just lost Steph, so, you know, maybe that helps their chances. But teams are going to start trying to climb up, and we'll see the how see what the Kings can do to try to keep in that top half of the Western Conference. It'll be interesting. But, yeah, I mean, the Mavs getting Kyrie, it definitely affects the Kings. Because it will mess with their uh, seeding, possibly. So the Mavericks now look like they can probably try to take that third seed. Maybe even that second seed. I mean, the Kings are only two games behind the second seed in the Grizzlies. That's how close the West is. So, like, any kind of trade, that can shake up the Western Conference standing significantly. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. And to your point, last season at this time, Memphis was in third with 38 wins and 18 losses. So I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, the Kings, I don't want to like discredit the progress they've made, but the time to prove yourself is going to, is going to come soon. And yeah, that Irving trade kind of underlines that, but you know, one of the things that was the main focus over the weekend internally for the Kings was the stark contrast of having De'Aaron Fox and not having De'Aaron Fox, how different the team looks in terms of, production, energy, and all that kind of stuff. It just backed up what we already knew, which is that he's, you know, the Kings, if they're going to be able to bear down uh, in the home stretch of the season, they're going to need to kind of play at full strength because we've kind of seen that when, well, first of all, it's just like, aside from like a few games where they've missed important players, there, there hasn't been a huge sample size of it, I guess I would say. So it's like they haven't really had too much experience of having to deal with that kind of adversity. Fox has missed five games. I think they're they're what one in four because they just Fox won the has one missed game. five games. What games has he missed? He missed the game in Miami okay. uh, after the Charlotte knee bruise. I was gonna call it a knee bang. He missed one game and then. On that road trip, he missed that Cleveland game, and then he missed the New York Knicks game after that. He was out for two oh, games. Oh, I forgot about that Knicks game. Games. Yeah, that it was a very forgettable game. And then he missed, uh, obviously, the Indiana game and the New Orleans game. And then Sabonis has only missed two. Okay, so yeah. they, they, they missed two games with Sabonis. They went one and one. So they're so without one of those two, they're, uh, damn, Doing the tough math here. That's two and five. Mm -hmm. I guess this is a long-winded way of saying that if the Kings are going to really make themselves known and stand out as a big boy in the West and weather the storm of all these other teams kind of recovering from injury and getting better and kind of getting the momentum behind them, it is going to be damn important that they don't have much more uh, absences from those kinds of guys. And really, you probably extend it to other guys because, again, it's not like the Kings have dealt with a lot of missed time from key players no not at all really i mean i think fox's five games missed might lead the team at least in like important players or maybe in any player um yeah i don't does that i mean barnes hasn't i don't know i don't even know barnes, barnes has missed every a game, game. Yeah. yeah murray's missed a couple uh i think just early on right i think he missed those first two maybe even just the first I think it was just the first game he missed. Um, he missed the first game, and then he missed the San Antonio game after that Brooklyn blowout on TNT. Um, I don't remember why. Might have been six. I think it was an oldness listed. Okay, Herders missed a couple. Mm -hmm. Monk missed one. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The Kings haven't really. <laughs> they haven't dealt with major injury issues this year, which is you know huge. 
Um, it's a big, big reason behind their success. I don't think yeah. they would be neglected. On it, yes, honestly. So, yeah, going forward, I mean, they, especially at this point in the season, it's like they can't risk a big injury. It, that would be detrimental to them. It would be if you lose any of the starters and or Malik Monk or Trey Lyles. That's uh, that'd be killer. <laughs> that'd be really bad. I would throw Damian Mitchell in there too, because no offense to Delvadova. Delvadova is a third point guard. He ain't a backup point guard. I don't know. I like Delhi. I like Delhi. Can he sustain that kind of those kind of minutes? I trust him more. I I like Davion Mitchell a lot too, but like between who's the backup for Monk? I don't know. If you lose Monkey at Terrence Davis, I don't know. You're right though. Yeah, I don't know. You lose anyone. We're done. Exactly. It's kind of like all hands on deck. I mean, like, you see what happens when. And this team is so interesting because, in a lot of ways, like, they get kneecapped from missing a big player. But then it's like you asked me last week what the best road game of the season was or the best road win of the season was. And I immediately said that Cleveland win where Fox did not play. So it's like some somewhere within them, there's like, I guess, as Mike Brown would say, there's that dog. But yeah, you just it's kind of staying realistic. I mean, even with them staying 100% healthy, we're talking about them potentially falling down in the standings. So that speaks for itself, I guess. It, they'll be able to really say a lot about themselves and how they handle the next couple of weeks after the All-Star break and even kind of just closing up here before the All-Star break because you do have Dallas for two games this weekend. Should be fun. Should be fun. I know, maybe, uh, I was reading maybe a couple fan theories where that one of those games would get elevated to TNT mm-hmm. or ESPN, whatever. I think ESPN is a Friday right. game, so I could see it. Yeah, I would not be surprised if they wanted to jump on that. That would be, I think there's a lot of people that would want to watch the game, even if the Kings weren't good. It's just like, yeah, it just two makes top teams better. in the West and one with Kyrie now. Yeah. Um, crazy. I hope so. Be a fun, it'll be a fun game to watch for sure, especially Seriously. with like the the small rivalry already between, the, I mean the Kings and the Mavs. Just in the sense that the Mavs have Luca and the Kings don't, so that's always fun. That's always fun. Seeing, you know, fans get all into it. So it'd be the, it'd be big couple games too. I mean, if they could they could potentially go into this with a two game, you know, separation in the seed if. Mavericks win both. I mean, they're both at the third seed after that. Right. Yeah, no, it is. We talk about a lot about like, oh, you know, the building in Sacramento gets uh, that playoff atmosphere. Really feel like these games will that it's probably going to set a new bar for this season, right? It has to. The raucousness of the Golden One Center. Man, that place is going to be off the hook. It's going to be so fun. I'm going to have to go to one for sure. It's man. I was at the game. I, I always say it. I was at like one of the last Kings playoff home games back in 06. It was a Kevin Martin buzzer beater against the Spurs. And man, like that was definitely the most electric arena or stadium or whatever I've been in at the moment. It was, oh my God. So, I mean, I just can't imagine how loud it's going to be just for even just like game one. Of uh, you know, the in- ending of the 16-year playoff drought at the Golden One Center, the first playoff game at the Golden One Center too. It's gonna be so loud. It's gonna be so much fun. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's gonna be more fun than Mardi Gras. I don't know. I feel like that's something. Uh, yeah, Mark Jones. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it's funny after the. I think someone. I think it was when like Domas got dunked on. Uh, I don't. I think no, that was in the Rockets game, but someone on the Pelicans threw down a dunk and Katie Christensen was like, I wonder if you get beads for that here in new Orleans. I'm like, Oh my God. Sacramento's <laughs> finest ladies and gentlemen. Like, why are we? Oh Lord. That's what came out of me when she said, I was like, Oh Jesus Christ. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I don't know. Just... Yeah. It's uh, uh, don't get me started on the announcing crew, but I was, <laughs> I always text Tony sometimes. I'll be like, did you hear that they said? Or did you see this? Or did you see, you know, is she wearing glasses tonight or not? Uh, and, and Tony's like, no, I didn't. I'll have to pay attention next time. <laughs> Every time. Well, I literally do not turn on the game 
until 7.10, until the literal tip-off is being thrown up in the air. I just, I cannot stand it. I'd like, all right, I'll watch it, and then I'm going to turn it off <laughs> once that final whistle blows or the final, you know, buzzer beeps. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just don't like the, I, I, I the post game's a little better than the actual Katie and Mark or Katie and Kyle, but I don't enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Is it any secret that they're not traveling with the team? Are they trying to keep that a secret? Because I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know. if they said it, but it's just like they've been in that studio, and I'm like, well, they're not there, are they? And they both sound really sick, too. I think they both are. As it's you can like, hear me, I am a little bit sick as well. So I pardon my voice. It might sound like Mark's or Tony just Tony just going down to Doko to have some spaghetti with, uh, you know, Mark Jones and Katie Christensen. Going down to Doko after the game and get some pasta. I feel like he That's said just, that like just a spot on Mark Jones by you. Dude, this is what happens. This is what happens. I'm going to develop an extra personality and it's just going to be Mark Jones. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's something gives he just. Thank God he wasn't in the Marines because he just seems like the type of guy that would go, hoorah. Like, all the time. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Maybe he was in the military. He's kind of got a military cut. Um, he does. He doesn't. I'm just going to look him. I doubt it, but. I don't know. He kind of is a rule follower. He kind of strikes me as a square. I wouldn't be surprised. Let's see. Mark Jones. Going to dive into his life. Mark Vernon Jones. He's Canadian. What? <laughs> He's been part of the ESPN broadcasting family since 1990. And he was born in 61. So I don't know, maybe. I didn't know he was that old. He looks decent for his age. Yeah, I know. He's what? 50? No, no 60. 62. 61. Yeah, 62. that is interesting. Mark Jones, I, I got to hand it to you. You look good for 62 or 61. He's listening to this. He's just like, yeah. All right. <laughs> got my mojo back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see anything, though, that says he um, he was in the military. So. Well, I stand by what I said. I love it whenever we can just kind of have a nice digression about Katie and Mark. Katie First name and basis. Mark. Hot topic. Yeah. What else we got? You know, kind of closing up here. I think uh, a good question to ask because he's played so well on this road trip. You know, Malik Monk has really kind of bounced back after it seemed like a really prolonged stretch where he was not exactly himself be fair to say and you know over these six or the first six games of this road trip um, he's averaging 17 points on 57.4 percent shooting from the field and 47.6 percent from behind the three-point line close to four assists like he has all season three rebounds over a steal a game really engaged energetic I really think he did himself a huge disservice in regard to this, but would you put money on Malik Monk being sixth man of the year? Can he close out the season strong enough to get into that, uh, to be that guy? Uh, no, no, <laughs> I don't no. think so. I think it's too late. I think he just had such a bad stretch in January. And then I just think he's going to have another bad stretch. Um, Ahead, he's just just like we talked about this last time. He's a streaky guy. He's gonna be hot. And he's gonna be ice cold. He's gonna be hot, and I think he's kind of back in his hot phase. I think we're gonna see at least one more cold phase before the playoffs start, and hopefully not in the playoffs. But just the player he is, I don't think he's sixth man of the year for those reasons. He's good. He's gonna he's gonna get some votes. He might even finish top three, but he had too long of a slump, and I know another slump will come between now and the end of the season as well. But I mean, I'm <laughs> for the time being, it's nice to see him, you know, kind of get back into his groove. We're getting back into that hot streak. So that's nice. I mean, it definitely right. helps. It definitely sucked when Malik was sucking. It sucked when he sucked. But um I don't I don't see him winning sixth man of the year, although he will probably finish top three. Yeah, I mean I think like I always say, you know, well the old, you know, uh when it comes to journalism you, it's always safe to follow the mantra, follow the money. So in this case, I'm going to go to the Vegas odds and look at the updated odds, which were updated about uh, two weeks ago. Westbrook, Brogdon, Maxi, Poole, and Norman Powell are the top five. 
And then Victor Oladipo. Has Victor Oladipo played much this season? I don't because we played Miami early. I so. have no idea. Remember when Victor Oladipo, he was like rumors to him to come to a team like the Kings, and he just like signed back in Miami. <laughs> yeah. It's just like <laughs> I don't know. It's almost like kind of a blue back in his face because I bet Sachs just like, we don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly. But we're we're trying to get Kevin Herter and Malik Monk, but Oladipo has only played in 26 games this year. How the hell is he above Monk in the odds here? That can't be right. And then he's tied. Well, he's tied with Mathurin in the odds. Um, I was going to say, isn't Mathurin? He should be pretty high. Yeah. Who's who's number one, you said? Russell Westbrook. (laughs) Is Hero still the bench player? No, I don't think so because he's not on this list. Westbrook's 15, 7, and 6. West, I mean, I was saying the during the off season when it's that time of the year where you're just clutching for anything to write about. I was just like, yeah, the Lakers are going to suck because they have Westbrook. And I'm like, man, the Lakers have stayed afloat because they have Westbrook <laughs> in a lot of ways. I don't know. It'd be interesting to get a Lakers fan point of view on that because he still has a lot of Westbrook moments. But I never would have thought he'd embrace the roll off the bench. And look at him now. It's top of the odds. And uh, Malik Monk has slid. But I kind of agree with you. No, I think he can get back in the top three. I don't know. That's kind of tough, though, with Westbrook Brogdon. Wait, Tyrese Maxey? Does Tyrese Maxey come off the bench? Uh, I guess. I guess Harden's the starter. So they don't start together. Then they now what? The Harden was out. When they played. Ma- I don't know. Let me like. Well, now I'm gonna look it up. Now I'm like questioning following he, the money. He has started 22 out of 33 games. That doesn't seem like that qualifies for. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> I agree. So, yeah, can Monk get in the top three? Yeah, especially if he closes out strong. But it, it I don't know. You never know. I just wouldn't bet on Monk kind of doing what he did in the first month of the season for the last two and a half months of the season. But yeah, figure to give him some props because he's played super well over the last six. It was really funny when he was going off at the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth quarter of Monday's game in Houston. I kept saying out loud, I was like, and I don't know if I need to say this, but Malik means king in Arabic. I just kept saying that. And as they're going to commercial, I think it was as the third quarter ended or maybe the first time out of the fourth, as they're going to commercial, what the hell does Mark Jones say but that? He says that exact thing. Yeah, I remember hearing it. I want to know. I want to get together. And we need to come up with an official drinking. I'm sure people already have. I want to know what the official drinking game is for Mark Jones. Because, man. Finally, we should create one and do it. Post it. Yeah. Yeah, as long as it, too. Yeah. And Katie, just all the announcers. Yeah. A good one for Katie would be like, you know, here in the modern NBA, a 27-point deficit is more like a 10-point deficit. Or you hear Mark wanna... Jones take that, too. He'll parrot that. I'm like, Dude. yeah. Or any time Katie like, hypes up the Kings, although they're like down by 30. Like This game does not reflect how they played tonight. Like They're down by 30 in the fourth. Like What do you mean? Yeah, and then she'll contradict herself. She'll come in her keys to the game. She's like, well, they need to rebound because they were shit at that last night. It's like, you weren't saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, oh my. what the hell? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, they always come up in our conversation. I don't know. They just slip in. I think... Dude, um, they live in our head rent-free. Oh, my God. I knew you were going to say that. I was going to say that. I'm like, you know what Mark Jones would say? And I was going to say that. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. That uh, trade deadline, man. Keep your eyes peeled. Things will be fluid and in motion. Keep it peeled. A lot, you know, a lot can happen between now and Thursday. Um, <clears throat> Kings play the Rockets tonight. Hopefully to end their road, or I mean, to hopefully end their road trip with the winning record. They're at three and three at the moment. I mean, they should hopefully take care of the Rockets again. Um, to move forward three of the road trip, getting a winning record on the road trip. I think that's a victory in itself. So, trade deadline next day. We'll see what McNair does. It'll be a be an interesting day, of course, as it always is. I'm always glued to my phone. So, yeah, that's all I got, John. That's all I got. I I can't wait. I can't wait until next week when we can assess what the hell happened at the deadline. Yeah, I can't wait until next week until we just assess (laughs) Kessler Edwards. That was the only trade. (laughs) Yeah. It's the Kessler Edwards episode. (laughs) 
<laughs> She's like, now we're gonna hop on him. But okay, Kings fans, yeah. thanks for tuning in. Until next time, have a good one. <laughs>